In your wanderings, you stumble upon a ruined temple buried deep within the heart of the forest. Wary, you continue on through thick overgrowth until you see a clearing that was once an ancient cathedral built by people, now rebuilt by nature itself. In the center is a preserved altar, stacked with various dice of all shapes and colors. As you contemplate what this means, a cloaked figure approaches from the shadows. Welcome, brave adventurer. Have you come to roll the dice? Explore strange new worlds with new strange rules? If you seek adventure worthy of being shared with good friends, you have come to the right place. Just roll for initiative. Welcome to the Nat One Nerds Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the table, everyone. Welcome back to Nat One Nerds. We know it's been a little bit of a break. We've had a lot going on in our personal lives, but we're glad to be back. Oh, absolutely. So so if you guys can remember, it's uh, Call of Cthulhu that we're working on right now. And we just finished up with our one shot. And oh man, that was a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. It, it honestly was so fun. Especially playing with Savannah and then playing with Pedro from the Sword Dealer's Tavern. Yeah, and then uh, getting to be the the keeper for that, mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun, considering I had never played Call of Cthulhu before. It was definitely a stretch, but honestly, it came pretty well after DMing in Dungeons and Dragons for a while. You just adjust to a different system, different rules, and it honestly flows pretty much the same. That's one thing I love about TTRPGs in general, is once you get a feel for them, all you really have to do is just switch a few system rules around, and running them feels relatively similar. So did you feel like you were jumping straight into the deep end with Call of Cthulhu, or...? It was a little bit of a dive into the deep end, but I at least like to think I did pretty well with it. I I thought you did pretty well with it, too. I mean, granted, I also had never played Call of Cthulhu before until now, um, which is probably why my character was so freaking weird. But <laughs> Hey, I, I thought your character was a lot of fun. I regret absolutely nothing. I probably will do that again. <laughs> I mean... Uh, spoiler alert for anyone who missed the one-shot episode, but um, Donald definitely did work with the Sons of Thunder. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I I will probably put a lot of points into my next Call of Cthulhu character again into Shotgun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's useful. Well, you gotta have a keeper that'll let you have one. Yeah, that's. I guess that's true. You were definitely a very forgiving and kind keeper, especially for a Call of Cthulhu run-through. Yeah, you know, considering that you guys um, decided to run through fire. <laughs> hey, as I said, it's a baptism by fire, so... Yeah. Hey, at least everyone survived. Barely, but they did it. Yeah, I was about to say, I know when... Not to give too many things away from the one-shot, but when one of the characters did have to go to the hospital to get recouped. I know the time limit in Call of Cthulhu is much longer than the time limit you gave us. And you're just like, nah, she's healed. She's fine. Yeah. <laughs> they really good doctors at that. Yeah. I was like, oh, the keeper's being so nice because I feel like with Call of Cthulhu, like, like with any, with most systems, especially like even just Dungeons and Dragons, you definitely should have a backup character. Yeah. However, in D and D it's not the dungeon master's job to kill the players. It just can happen. So you have a backup. In Call of Cthulhu, you bank on using your backup character. <laughs> yeah, no, if... Well, it also depends on your playstyle. If you're a very cautious player, you could expect your person to live for a decent amount of time. 
But if you're someone who's running in guns blazing every time you see an Eldritch Abomination coming towards you, yeah, you're probably not lasting long. Donald is a very lucky son of a gun, isn't he? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> well. Be gone, spawn of Satan. <laughs> Blast. <laughs> Hey, if it works, it works. It worked better than the crucifix he had, so. True. <laughs> but um, the monsters we were fighting also didn't recognize that god. Yeah. So when it comes to Call of Cthulhu, like we've said, it's similar to the other systems we've played in some ways, but it's also very different in other ways. The um, biggest difference, I'd have to say, was probably the D100 system, mm -hmm. which I actually found myself really enjoying. Yeah. Getting to use the D100 was pretty cool. It's a dice you don't use very often. But I felt like it just flowed really naturally with, like, percentage chances of stuff working. Because with a normal D20, each number is, like, a 5% chance and it adds up. But it's just straight flat percentage with the D100s. So I thought was really cool. The only part that threw me off was wanting to roll low. That felt really weird. Because mm -hmm. I know there are systems out there that don't use a D100 system and still have a roll low. Yeah, like it's just like an in like a like a negative version of a D twenty system almost. Mm -hmm. I've I've heard of those. I can't name one off the top of my head, but we'll explore them as we get to them. Yes. Oh yeah, I I guarantee we'll come across at least one. So so as a keeper in Call of Cthulhu, there are a few things that are really helpful, and hopefully we'll be able to help you guys to know what resources you're going to need if you want to run a game. Now that you've kind of seen what it's like, if you want to experience it for yourself, we'd like to help you get into it. So as a keeper for Call of Cthulhu, absolutely one of the most important things to have is the Keeper's Handbook. Like, oh my gosh, the Quick Start Guide is helpful, but it does not have all the meat that you need to really run the game. Yeah. So... I would definitely advise getting that handbook and reading through it. Honestly, even as the players, it would help. But as the keeper, you need to know that stuff. I was about to say, I, I, I think I recall Pedro saying that between the two books, the investigator's handbook, which is, I think, geared toward the players and the keeper's handbook, he actually just recommended that whether you're a player or a keeper, just get the keeper's handbook. Yeah. Like he, because I think he said that the keeper's handbook pretty much has almost everything the investigators does, plus a little more. Yeah, it also has things like how to run encounters, what to do in certain situations, monster stat blocks, a lot of explanations. It goes very in-depth, and honestly, for a 300-some-odd-page book, like I honestly felt my found myself having a pretty good time reading it. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was honestly pretty good, kept me engaged. It wasn't a slog like you're reading through a statistics book or anything like that. Like It was really informative and helpful. Nice, because... I know, and this this may be completely personal to me, but in Dungeons and Dragons, I don't really use the Dungeon Master's Guide hardly. I use yeah. it mostly for like magic items, and that's pretty much it, honestly. I don't that, and if I need like an Oathbreaker or something like that, like the optional subclasses for like the cleric and paladin. But beyond those things, I've never really used it or really read it. I know I tried sitting and reading it. And I got only, like, a few pages in before something distracted me. Yeah. The, not to say that it's not useful or bad or anything like that. It just personally, for whatever reason, I I don't need it for my particular DMing style. Well, the Dungeon Master's Guide for Dungeons & Dragons, it fits a lot more around how to world build as a DM, how to create stories, how to 
flesh stuff out. And a lot of that stuff you can figure out on your own and it's not super important to have a guide on, although it's really helpful to have tips. Mm -hmm. The Keeper's Guide is all just purely, this is how you play Call of Cthulhu, this is what you need, this is the systems. I feel like it's, yeah, it seems more direct. Yeah. And honestly, I really appreciated that. It made it a lot easier to get through. Yeah. So definitely get the Keeper's Guide. Um, Obviously, dice are important. And I would say make sure that you brush up on what the skills are. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot more skills in Call of Cthulhu than there are in a lot of TTRPGs. And it's kind of hard to keep track of them sometimes. But if you know what they are off the top of your head, it makes it a lot easier to call for a check when your players are doing something. Because you know exactly what check you're looking for instead of having to scan through their sheet and being like, oh shoot, what what are they going to do with this? Yeah. I know in our one shot, I remember there were times where you're, you you called for a check, and then literally a second later, like, oh no, your stat's really low in that. <laughs> like, oh shoot. <laughs> oh, you only have five a t- to succeed? Okay. Yeah, it's like, you have a 5% chance of succeeding in that. <laughs> Granted, I dumped so much into shotgun, that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, that's the I one probably... downside with having so many different abilities is in Call of Cthulhu, you're going to have quite a few dump stats, and that's going to lead you to um, quite a few abilities that you're not quite as skilled with. Yeah. But honestly, that's okay, because it makes it feel more realistic, because I feel like Dungeons & Dragons is very much like... It's a power gamey system. Even if you're not a power gamer, your character is much more powerful than the average person, And you're going to be at least decent at most things. Call of Cthulhu, if you don't take the time to train and learn how to do something, you're not going to know how to do it, which is much more like real life. Yeah. You're a straight up just normal human that's doing investigating of the unknown. So you're going to have skills you're not good at. Yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. Because I, even looking at everything, I just really wanted a shotgun build character. Should I have chosen a clergyman for that? Probably not. <laughs> but it was still... You made it work. Yeah, it was still fun. The the Keeper, just like... Because just like a Dungeon Master, the Keeper is there to help facilitate fun. And while Call of Cthulhu is definitely can be a much more nitty-gritty... Um, you know, it's a horror eldritch system where you kind of expect your characters to die or go insane. It, I'm not sure which one's worse in Call of Cthulhu, honestly. <laughs> um, I think that that's up to your keeper. Yeah, I guess that's up to your keeper. But even even with all those things, obviously the point of any TTRPG is to have fun and to facilitate that fun. And ultimately, I felt like Brandon did a really good job with that. Well, thank you for that. I'm glad that you had fun. Hopefully, I think Pedro said that he had some fun too. So. Oh, he definitely had fun. He, <laughs> he I, got to actually play for once. Yeah. Yeah, the forever DM syndrome is very real. Yeah, so when it comes to resources, Keeper's Guide, Dice, knowing the character sheets, and then honestly past that, it's just information. As the Keeper, you just gotta know your stuff, and it's good to have your references there for in case you forget. Um, That's why most TTRPGs have some form of a DM screen where you can put quick references to things that you'll need in a pinch, because there are some things that come up a lot more often than others. Mm But when it comes to mechanics of Call of Cthulhu that are important, I'd say the most important ones are the ability checks, the D100 system, and knowing when and how to call for insanity checks. Yes. 
because that is one of Call of Cthulhu's big things is you're dealing with eldritch horrors, you have psychological damage. Yeah, because you're dealing with horrors that are incomprehensible. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, I feel like, I haven't read a lot of Lovecraftian stuff, but from what I've heard, like, that's kind of the big thing is that average people come across these just things that, or items or whatever that just, like, they can't even begin to even astronomically be, even begin to describe it. Yeah, I mean, in our game, we had a clergyman, a lawyer, and an actress that were working together to investigate, like, a horrific being from another plane of existence trying to kill them. Like, that, that'd be pretty terrifying to your average person. Yeah. I don't know if most lawyers would be willing to go into a cave where there are monsters eating people. Yeah. Yeah, but for the sake of story, they do. <laughs> so, yeah, when you're playing a game, you want to have fun, you do some things your character might not normally do, but that's because otherwise you wouldn't have a game. Yeah, I felt like when you, I know there was a point where all of us went temporarily insane, and I think is you gave us each a specific thing for us, and I thought that was really good, and I felt like it reflected the the roles that we had made. They all failed, but they all failed differently. Yeah, and and because and they all failed to a certain degree of failure, and so like one person failed really bad, and so they ended up seeing. I think you told them that even after the temporary insanity was over, they still had some lingering effects. Yeah. They had lingering effects. They still had nightmares, you know, almost like once a week or every other week, the rest of their lives or something where they just wake up in a cold sweat all the time. Yeah. They, they constantly see that dark figure emerging from that, that wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was kind of fun to, again, spoilers, pay some homage to our first character from our first one shot. I always love getting to give Taryn a little bit of love. Yep. He's he's sticking around for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, like we said, knowing how the game works is very important as a keeper. But honestly, I found it wasn't that difficult to really learn. Granted, I've DM'd in Dungeons & Dragons for a while, so I know the general feel. But it just felt so natural getting into the new system and learning how the D100 system worked versus the D20 system, learning insanity. Combat was definitely different. Um, I liked how initiative wasn't really a role. Instead, it's just basically the reflexes of the people involved. You just run their equivalent of a dexterity score, and whoever has the best reflexes is going to naturally be going first. Yeah, that makes sense. So I actually have a question for you specifically, since yeah. you're going into psychology as a major. <laughs> All Did, right. Is that one thing you really liked about the system? Do you feel like, obviously there's a lot of supernatural stuff that, as a psychologist, you wouldn't deal with that. Yeah. I guess maybe in a certain weird way, maybe, like night terrors or whatever, but obviously in this case, like they're real and they're horrific. But with that in mind, how, as far as, like, expressing the mental capacities of player characters and and the aspects of, of their sanity, do you feel like the game did pretty decent with that? I feel like they did pretty well. As you've obviously said, a lot of the Eldritch Horrors you'd be dealing with in Call of Cthulhu, at least to our knowledge, doesn't exist in real <laughs> life. 
Uh, it's not mainstream. You know that Cthulhu's rolling up on the block on Tuesdays to get drinks. It's just not not a thing. So when it comes to dealing with that stuff, I honestly don't know how you would end up dealing with trauma like that in real life. But the bouts of temporary insanity, um, they honestly pair up pretty well with how normal people would react to stress. You would go into shock. Sometimes people react irrationally. And depending on the level of what triggers that, they could go temporarily insane. Could go into a fugue state. They could. There's lots of things that can happen. Mm. Okay. Sorry, I just was really curious. I know that probably is a question that's better explored in our next episode when we do our final thoughts and review of the system. But yeah, I was just too curious since you you were the keeper, and so I thought it was to still be interesting to talk about. But I'm sure we'll talk about it again next episode and into even further detail, perhaps. Yeah. No. I, hey, I am always down to talk about this stuff. I could do whole episodes just on psychology of games like this. <laughs> uh, as for specific advice on how to run Call of Cthulhu, I feel like the general advice that we give with most of our systems fits pretty well. Talk to your players beforehand. This is one system where I would definitely advise going through trigger warnings with players because it's much more horror themed. And for example, my wife is not a horror person at all. She can't do scary to save her life. And so she wouldn't do well with this system because of that. And so it's good to talk to your players beforehand and say, hey, here's the story general feel that I have in mind. How do you feel you would react to this? Would you be comfortable with this? Are you comfortable with these topics or these ones? And just make sure you just settle with them and talk about it. And honestly, just be willing to compromise. Because like like you said, Parker, we're there to have fun. Everyone's there to have a good time. So if you're doing things that are not comfortable for your players, then they're not going to have fun. So I'd say a session zero is definitely important to first make sure they know how the system works and make sure that their characters are built properly, but also make sure that they're just comfortable with the game. Yeah. No, it's definitely obviously very horror themed and... You know, because in Dungeons and Dragons, you play characters. I mean, Garth, you can people purposely choose characters that make contract packs with demons and devils and elder cores to get powers, and like, cool, Eldritch Blast, and yeah. <laughs> they're like, da 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 da. You know, like there's always the their patr- patrons more their sugar daddy, honestly. Yeah, than there's always the running joke that in D and D, warlock patrons are just their magical sugar daddies. <laughs> But in Call of Cthulhu, I feel like Call of Cthulhu really emphasizes that, no, these are bad entities. Like, yeah, these, these things these do not evil. care about you whatsoever. No, no, not at all. And what they care about, we will never know. But not you. <laughs> That's yep. the only, only thing you know in this world of madness here. So, so yeah, make sure you talk with your players. Uh, any other... What advice... What would you say for a player? What advice would you give? I think this is a system kind of like what Brandon was talking about, the need for a session zero and so forth. This is this is a system that I think requires a little bit more trust than average compared to like systems like D&D or especially systems like Fate Accelerator that are a lot more generally lighthearted. It's definitely, it explores, it's very easy to explore much darker themes with the system. If you're wanting 
if you're wanting darker themes and and getting into that side of humanity where the worst of us can be brought out, then yeah, this system is definitely one where you could do that in for sure. Yeah. And that's why you need to talk with your keeper and the other players to make sure everybody's okay and on board. Because the one shot we did, I'm sure is a pretty tame Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And again, it's going to vary by table. So It's going to be very by table, but I would imagine that ours was a bit more tame than most other Call of Cthulhu's. Yeah, we like to keep our podcast family friendly, as you guys know, keep it relatively clean. So mm-hmm. I didn't go too crazy into any descriptors of, for example, of like bodies or anything or try to make it too scary because mm-hmm. we, we like to keep it clean. We're family guys. We both have families of our own. Uh, we like to make content that anyone can be comfortable listening to. Absolutely. But <laughs> if you're running your own personal game, anything's fair. Yeah, as long as everybody's okay at the table. Yeah. Because as a psychology major, because I know going into this, I was like, Brandon could go hardcore with the system if you really wanted to. Oh, I could have messed you guys up. Yeah. (laughs) No, you could have probably left the players a little scarred if you had really wanted to. Roll a real life sanity check. Yeah, make us roll real life sanity checks almost. But, you know, but obviously, as we said, it's about having fun, having a good time at the table. Um. So I know I know our, our friend Pedro, who is on our one shot, um, he's played Call of Cthulhu before. He really loves the system. I think he said it was actually his favorite system so far. And so I'm sure he's played darker themed sessions of Call of Cthulhu, but yeah. he still came away having a great time. He, he, yeah, and he was awesome to have. So... And as you'll see, you can have lighter moments as well. Like we had some joking around in the hospital with Claire and there was a lot of fun. So it's not all nitty gritty dark. Like Call of Duty can be a fun and lighthearted at times too. Yeah. Like most TTRPGs, it's it's really what you, you as the table make of the game. Yeah. So if you like Call of Cthulhu but still want lighthearted stuff, you can do that if you wanted to. You, you can know? have the quote-unquote eldritch horror you're investigating being a portal to Ponyland. I don't know. I, I can actually see that being a pretty fun one. Getting to figure out what the heck is this mystical force that's affecting It's you. almost so good and bright that you almost go insane because... <laughs> <laughs> they use friendship magic on you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but Call of Cthulhu, it's another great versatile system, but we will talk about it more in our review episode. Hopefully we've been able to help you guys... Um, brush up on what you need to be a keeper for Call of Cthulhu, talk about the resources you need. And if you have any questions, we're always happy to answer them. We love talking to you guys. We got a lot of information. If you'd like it, we just can only put so much into a podcast at once without making it go for hours. Yes. So absolutely. So if you have questions or um, even suggestions, Definitely reach out to us. You can reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook or on Instagram. Just shoot us a direct message. You can also email us at nat1nerdspodcast at gmail.com. All one word, lowercase, and so forth. So, but if you also enjoy, um, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, you like what we're doing overall, and you want to show us a little extra support, definitely listen share this episode with your friends and family and and acquaintances give us some good reviews yeah give us some good reviews 
you know, and so forth. So, but I think that uh, just about wraps it up then. Yeah, thank you guys for listening to our Keepers episode of Call of Cthulhu. And hopefully we'll get to see you guys next time for our final review of the system. Yep. Happy rolling, guys.